uh, are you still there? There you are. Uh, when, when you're done teaching and there's no hurry, I'm, I'm just giving you an FYI moment. We may have a couple of questions or something for you. Yeah, all right? Sounds like, great. Yeah, all right. God bless you. It's all yours. Well, thank you, everybody, for uh, joining tonight and sacrificing your Monday night uh, to come to the church. And uh, we are thankful to be able to talk to you. And a great crowd there. Thank you, honor to Dad for letting me speak to you. And I appreciate the honor. And even though it's far away, I know it's a blessing to speak to you guys. Um, I want to talk to you tonight out of... Uh, I'm going to use one verse as a, like a text, and then I'm going to um, talk to you about something out of that verse. That verse is Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Uh, it just simply says, when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And I know that... Uh, People in that room tonight are on different levels in the church, different positions, different things that you do for God. But I want to talk to you about the crosses of leadership. Uh, and I want to talk to you about just wh where you're at in God and what you can do to go farther. But um, this is something the Lord gave me a few weeks ago. I only spoke it to one other church in a, in some, a minister's training. So regardless of your position or lack of position in the church, I want you to hopefully receive something from the Lord tonight uh, from this stuff. First of all, leadership in the true essence of the word is influence. Leadership is influence. If you, like John Maxwell said, if you're leading and no one is following you, you're really not leading, you're out for a walk. Uh, one person said, if you're a spiritual leader and you're climbing the mountain for God and no one's with you, you're actually just a hiker. You're not really, you're not really leading anyone. To, to be a leader, you must grow yourself before you can grow others. A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. That's what John Maxwell said in one of his leadership books. A leader is one who goes the way after he knows it and then shows it to others. True leaders care about people that are following them, whether you're leading a family or you're leading someone at school or you're leading a Bible study by yourself or you're leading a youth group or a class or something in the church, leaders care about those that are following them. People, you know the old saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So lead where you are. Um, you do not need a position to be a leader. David led sheep, then he led soldiers, then he led people. He led the nation, actually, after he led soldiers. And uh, it's very interesting how a lot of people think they are not a leader until they get something uh, some kind of position to lead people, but leadership in the true essence is, is influencing where you are, no matter what position you have or do not have. Don't bear your talent, but build your talent. The leader that I chose to talk about tonight, uh, I could have chosen kings, uh, presidents, commanders, generals, preachers, public speakers. I thought about people throughout time that were great leaders. David was a great leader, Abraham Lincoln, Napoleon, General Schwarzkopf, MLK, Winston Churchill, Maxwell. These are people that are known for leadership uh, throughout the history of the world. But I chose Jesus uh, because I believe, obviously, he's the greatest leader of all time. And, and his birth shows that. The 
because in his birth, he was being followed by kings, by wise men, by shepherds. So that's pretty immediate impact you have on the world when you are just born and you're already being followed. Uh, shows your leadership ability right there. So uh, at 12 years old, he had the attention of all the doctors of the law and the Pharisees. He, he had such knowledge and wisdom. They were all blown away by what he said. And uh, he had 5,000 people on a daily basis following his every move everywhere he went. Uh, this is true leadership. He didn't have to post it on social media. He didn't have to develop a group of people. He didn't have to lead a church. He just had thousands of people following him because of what was inside of him. He developed the greatest heroes of the faith with Peter, James, and John, the church, the apostles. Uh, he taught incredible parables on leadership. And so I've chosen him as my, as my subject. There are, I want to give you three important qualities that every leader needs to have. Three important qualities that every leader needs to have. Whether you're a leader now or you want to be a leader in the future, these are three things you need to have. Number one, every leader, and this is all based on the life of Jesus, every leader must have character. How you do anything is how you do everything. How you do anything is how you will do everything. Jesus was flawless in his character. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so uh, how do I develop character? How do I, how do I work on integrity? How do, I, how do I become a better person? And I just wrote it down, start winning where you're secretly losing. Start winning where you're secretly losing. Wherever you struggle, start getting victories in those battles. And that's how you develop character. That's how you develop character when no one's there and you continue to live the same way privately as you're living publicly. That's how you develop character. And so, amen, those things we need to work on. And uh, that's the first quality. The second quality that Jesus had is compassion. The second quality every leader needs to have is compassion. Um, the greatest, I think, example that Jesus showed of compassion is when his best friend died. When John the Baptist was killed, uh, Jesus said, let's get out of here. Let's get away. Let's, let's, let's get out of here. And he goes away. And the Bible says the people followed him. And he's literally grieving in his spirit. He's hurting. He wants to get alone to grieve over John the Baptist, his cousin, who's just been killed. And nobody would let him. They just followed him. And instead of getting mad at everybody, it says he had compassion on them. And so he teaches them all day. He loves on them. He, he heals their kids. He, he deals with their diseases and their sicknesses and their problems and their marriage. He tells them parables, teaches them all day. And then they all go home full and satisfied and happy and blessed. And then he said, I'm going to the mountain to pray. This is where he dealt with the grief of John the Baptist. This is where he went and dealt with the pain that no one knew about. But before he dealt with that personal pain, he had to have compassion on all those that were following him. A true leader has compassion on people even when he's in pain. A true leader has compassion for others even though he's suffering or she's suffering. A true leader puts the needs of other people in front of his or her own. And Jesus showed that by that story, having compassion on the multitude when he could have been very uh, 
He could have gone alone and said, I'm going to deal with this myself. I need alone time. But he didn't do that. He said, I'm going to show the people how much I love them. The third quality every leader needs to have is commitment. Commitment. So we need to have character, compassion, and commitment to be a leader. Uh, commitment. Jesus, no one could talk Jesus out of Calvary. In fact, the Bible says he set his face toward Jerusalem. He had such a determination that, that no matter what you tried to do to him, uh, you were not going to sway him. You were not going to kill him before it was time, and you were not going to keep him from dying at the time. He told Herod, you go tell that fox, I'll do what I want to do, basically. When they tried to kill him before his time, they couldn't touch him. He said, you destroy this body, I'll raise it up in three days. But it's still, he still knew that I have to die for everyone, and he was committed to that. You cannot be a leader if you're not committed to the sacrifice that you have to make personally for the development and the salvation of others around you. If you, if you, if you only are a leader when it's convenient, then you're not committed. A committed leader says, for the sake of others around me, I will sacrifice what I want to do myself, and I will bless them, and I will help them, and I will develop them, and I will reach them and make them go farther. Those are the three important qualities every leader needs to have. Now, I'm going to tell you three temptations that every leader will face. Three temptations. These are all from the life of Jesus that every leader will face, okay? He dealt with three temptations in the wilderness, the first temptation that he dealt with was commanding stones to be made bread. Commanding stones to be made bread. What does that mean? Forcing something to be something else for your personal benefit. That's a temptation in leadership. That's a temptation to try to change somebody to make them what you want them to be to help you. But Jesus knew stones are stones and bread is bread. And so you have to de develop people where they are. And, and that's whether you're teaching a youth class or you're, or you're teaching a Sunday school or you're preaching or you're leading your family. Understanding where they are and what they are helps you in how you lead them. If I want someone to do something that they have no passion for and they have no talent and then no desire to do because I need that done, I'm not really a true leader. I'm just trying to find someone to fill something I need them to do. A true leader understands, I'm going to try to find the person that fits perfectly in this position to do this because they're passionate about it. If that's a stone, let it stay a stone. If that's a piece of bread, let it be a piece of bread. So Jesus turned down the temptation of having something and transforming it for his personal benefit. Now, if it benefits the kingdom of God, that's totally different. But if it benefits you personally, and so you make this someone do something for you, you are falling to the temptation of, stones becoming bread the second temptation the devil gave jesus was cast thyself down jump off the pinnacle of the temple this is where he's saying lower yourself at the church <laughs> lower yourself in the presence of the people cast yourself off wherever whatever you're doing let me just help someone here whatever you're doing in church whether it's the most important job or the most overlooked job the devil wants you to quit that job he wants you to resign that job. He wants you to, to, to walk away from that, to say it's too much for your schedule. And what, and what he's doing is he's lowering your influence in the church. Quit before your time. Beat yourself down. Cast thyself down. Jump off the pinnacle. In other words, he loves it when you're so stressed out that, that, he, that the first thing you think of letting go in your life is whatever you're doing for the kingdom of God. Well, that's just too much for me. 
I go, I've got to let that go. I, I could show up and do this, and I'm supposed to do this at the church, but it's just too much for my schedule. I'm going to let that go. That's a temptation of the enemy to cast you down, to make you lose your influence in what you're doing with the kingdom of God. A true leader never turns down an opportunity to serve. A true leader never turns down an opportunity to serve uh, because leadership, like I said in the very beginning, is influence. So if I'm serving and I'm helping, I'm influencing. And you can do more to influence someone by showing up and being faithful to things. And I'm not talking about church services. I'm talking about different things, work days, car washes, whatever is going on, outreach. You can be more beneficial to others around you that look up to you by being faithful to those things and not casting yourself down and say, I'm not showing up. I don't, I'm not, no one, no one will notice I'm, if I'm there or not. You, they, they will notice if you're there or not. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I, as an evangelist, I just finished a revival a few months ago in Dallas and we had a massive amount of people get the Holy Ghost and we were doing outreach on Saturdays and I was showing up. And I, and the first thing, as an, as an evangelist, I'm just being honest, the first thing that I noticed is that after several weeks of outreach, I noticed quickly who on the leadership team was not showing up to outreach. I noticed that right off the bat, that they were leading, they were leading, they had positions, but they didn't care about lost souls. They cared about their paycheck. They cared about uh, what they did. And so, so that, now that's just as the preacher, it stood out to me. And I was, I was going to be there with them reaching the city with the church, but leaders, quote unquote, didn't have time to be there to care. The truth was they're afraid to go knock on a door and afraid to talk to someone and, and afraid to be bold in the street like they are in the house of God. But a real leader says, wherever I can serve, I'm going to be there. If there's outreach, I'm going to do my best to be there. And I know we've got family time and we've got vacations and we've got things we have to do. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about if you constantly skip stuff, you're not a real leader. If you constantly skip stuff, you're not a real leader. A real leader tries to be faithful to everything possible. And let me just say this. I hope I'm not in trouble here. But if you skip because you're not in control or you're not in charge of the thing or the event, then you're not a leader either. Because a leader has to be a team player. A leader has to be a team. Whether you're preaching or not preaching, you're, there, you're at church, right? So, so you're a leader. You're a leader regardless if you're in charge of the outreach event or you're in charge of the whatever you're doing, the car wash or the work day, or if you're not in charge, you're there to support others. That still shows leadership ability when you're not in charge, but yet you're there to help others. People pick up on that. They see that's character. That's commitment. That's how I need to be more like that. That person doesn't have to have the spotlight to be there. And I appreciate that. So second temptation is cast yourself down. Third temptation is to fall down and worship me, he said. This, this one is compromise your values. So the first one is command stones to be made bread. The second one is cast yourself down. The third one is I want you to compromise your values, Jesus. I want you to fall down and worship me. This is a temptation in leadership to compromise your values. What do you mean by that? That once you get a position, you compromise what you did to get that position. Well, however faithful you were before you had the position, now you're no longer at that dimension of faithfulness uh, because you've got what you need. There's too many people that are living on yesterday's consecration and yesterday's sacrifices and yesterday's breakthroughs and just walking in the rewards of that thing. I don't have to do anything anymore. I've arrived at a dimension where I don't have to, to commit myself. The devil wants you to compromise the value. Fall down and worship me. He's literally offering a crazy offer to Jesus. What, 
Jesus already owns everything, but the devil in his mind is convinced, trying to convince the Lord that, that he owns all this stuff and he, Jesus needs to bow, fall down and worship him. One of the great revelations that's not preached enough is that we think that the Lord controls the heavens and the devil you know, controls the world. And, and I believe the devil controls the air. He's the prince of the air. But the, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So I believe the Lord still has dominion everywhere. But, but too many people give the devil too much credit for what's going on in the earth. He's the prince of the air. But the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So God's in charge of everything going on in your life right now, every detail of your life. So don't compromise your values. Now, I'm going to give you three types of disappointment that every leader will deal with. Three types of disappointment that every leader will deal with. In fact, you don't have to be a leader. You're going to deal with these types of disappointments by going to church. The first disappointment is disappointment in people. These are all from the life of Jesus, by the way. They're all from the life of Jesus. There's several times he was disappointing people when he asked the disciples, will you also go away? When everyone else walked away after he started teaching some straight stuff, they all walked away. They were just there for the miracles. And then the second he starts telling them to get their life right, they go away. So uh, remember when he, when he was disappointed in Peter, when he's told Peter, you'll deny me three times. Uh, he was disappointed in Judas. He said, he that dips the sop with me, He's the one that's gonna that's gonna betray me. So uh, Jesus constantly dealt with disappointment in people, and uh, one of the times he was disappointed when he went to the the there's it's amazing. There's two different times in the Bible where Jesus goes and prays. Uh, the Mount of Transfiguration is up there with Moses and Elijah, and the Bible says that Peter, I think Luke nine, Peter and James and John fell asleep. You're like, you're on the Mount of Transfiguration. You got a bright light shining on Jesus. You got Moses appearing out of nowhere and Elijah, and you're sleeping. Uh, that would disappoint me if I was Jesus. You know, I brought you here. I chose you out of everyone, and you're letting, you're going to go to, you're going to take a nap during the Mount of Transfiguration. Like, did I choose the wrong three? <laughs> and, uh, but, so they fell asleep there. And then when he was in the garden praying, uh, he prays three times. They fell asleep there. So you talk about being disappointed in people. He's poured into these people, his whole, he's poured into Peter, James, and John, these guys, nonstop. And in his greatest hour of need, they bail, they sleep, they don't show up. In fact, they have to get someone he doesn't even, that doesn't even know him to carry his cross. And a guy named Simon, because Peter was nowhere in sight, and James was nowhere in sight, and Andrew was bailing somewhere. All the ones he poured into hurt him the most because that's that's how it works in leadership. When you get disappointed by people that you pour into the most, the reason why they disappoint you the most is because you've poured into them more. And so they have more power over your heart than other people do. If you never pour into someone, it doesn't hurt you if they leave you. But if you pour into someone and they bail on you, they take part of your heart with you. Now it hurts you because you're suffering. You've tried to help them and pour into them and they didn't care. So you have to conquer disappointment in people. People are going to disappoint me if I'm a leader. And if I don't accept that, I won't lead very well. I'll go off on everyone that disappoints me because I refuse to accept it. I have to understand people will disappoint me if I'm going to lead them. That's just who they are. I'm going to tell you something that's interesting I saw this week. When Jesus went to that garden to pray, of those 12 disciples, there was only one that was awake. And that was Judas. 
That was Judas. Everyone else went to sleep. So you've got heaven warring. You've got hell wide awake. And you've got the church asleep in the middle. You've got Jesus getting ready to face his greatest hour of pain. You've got hell coming in to take over. His Satan was inside of Judas. And the church is sleeping like they could care less. How disappointing was that to God at that moment, knowing that the one person that I did that I knew would betray, he's the only one awake for this. This moment is huge, and the only one awake for it is the guy that walked away, the guy that bailed. It's scary. In other words, hell and heaven were more interested in what was going on than the church was. How disappointing that must have been for Jesus to know. I gave everything to you guys. I poured everything into you. And you just want to sleep while I'm trying to do my greatest work of salvation. And so <laughs> the merciful part about God that we need to all learn is somehow even if they, they did all that, he still had mercy on them when he rose from the grave and said, you go get my disciples and Peter. They all bailed on me. They all disappointed me. They walked away from me. They quit on me. They slept on me. They failed me. But because I'm their leader, I don't quit on them. I don't fail them. I don't walk away from them. I reach for them when they walk away. That's true leadership. That's saying, I don't expect you to have the character I have. I don't expect you to have the commitment I have. And if you expect others that you're leading to walk in the same commitment you are in, they won't. It's impossible. They can't have that. You're in that position you're in because of your commitment. But Jesus knew. You, you failed. You've quit. You've backslid. But I'm going to reach for you. That's why he asked Peter three different times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Why? I want to make sure before I leave here that you're committed because you're the new leader. You're the new leader. I'm leaving and I'm putting this in your hands. You are the leader. Are you committed as I was? Will you die for this? Will you give it all up for this? That's true commitment. So he faced his disappointment in others by continuing to pour into them after he was disappointed in them. And that's, that's powerful and that's hard to do. Uh, I have a group of preachers that I try to help some young ministers and our group is called Everest and so as an evangelist I'm still not pastoring so I'm not leading in a church so I'm leading where I can I'm leading these preachers and I'm trying to pour in their own different stages and the hardest thing I did was is when they disappoint when they don't care when they don't show up when they're when we do things and they don't they don't but you know what when I want to just say get rid of this guy get get him out of the group the Lord always comes around and says no pour into him one more time pour into him one more time that's the test of being a leader is when you want to rebuke, instead, you reach out. You reach instead of rebuke. That's difficult to do as a leader. Okay, second disappointment we will deal with as leaders is disappointment in ourselves. Jesus even dealt with it. Let this cup pass for me. How disappointing. He, he, he's been focused on this moment for years. And in the greatest pain, he says, just, just, let, just, just end it. I can't do it. I can't do it. No matter how great you are, you will disappoint yourself. You will disappoint. Paul said, there's a war in my members. That, that that I don't want to do, I'm doing. And that that I do, I don't want to do. And here I am. He's the greatest apostle of all time. And yet he's, he's disappointed himself all the time. Paul was always disappointed in himself. I told a church this yesterday, and I want to tell this to you right now. When you were baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, the devil was defeated in your life, and we let him back in through sin, but you have power over the devil. You don't need to go after the devil to get victory. If you want victory over a devil fighting you, go after yourself. 
Go after yourself. Go after the things that you struggle with. Put yourself on the altar. Pray and fast. Go after you. Don't just call the devil out. Go after yourself. That defeats the devil. He can't get to you if you lock the doors to your heart and to your mind and to your emotions and to your family. So don't go after the enemy. Well, there's a devil near. I'm going to cast him. I'm going to fight. No, 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 no. Go after you. Because ultimately, I disappoint myself more than anyone else does. And if you're true, you're honestly with yourself, you disappoint yourself more than others disappoint you. If you're, if you, because a true leader is driven. A true leader expects a lot of themselves. A true leader sacrifices in levels that he expects or she expects no other person around them to sacrifice at. And if you really are like that, whenever you can't live up to the commitment of the extreme sacrifice that you push on yourself, you get disappointed in yourself. You think, I've done this before, I should be able to do this again. I've fasted this many days, or I've prayed this many hours, or I, I've done this before. Why am I struggling now? Why can't I do this? Because you are, you are living in a dimension where you're, you're competing with yourself. And so you're going to disappoint you. you have to, you're, you're a human being. You are flesh. And sometimes you need to rest, whether you, whether you believe it or not, admit it or not, you need to rest. You need to say, I need, I need to rest in the spirit. I need to get a break. I need to get away from thinking like this. And I need to get my mind alone with God. And because if you don't, you'll disappoint yourself living at the expectations that you're setting for yourself that you think everyone else is setting for you when they're not. You're setting that expectation for yourself. And here's the big one. Here's the one I wanted. I said all that to get to this point. The third disappointment that we all deal with, and if you haven't been there, you will be there, is disappointment in God. And Jesus had it too. Father, why hast thou forsaken me? On the cross, he admitted, I'm disappointed. Why hast thou forsaken me? Um, you know, his timing and his thoughts are not like our timing and our thoughts and his ways are not like our ways. And we know that we love those verses and we clap and we shout. But the truth is, if you live for God very long, something's going to happen that disappoints you. And it's going to test your faith. Someone you prayed for to be healed is not going to be healed. Something you asked God to do that you sure you, you were sure he was going to do it, he doesn't do. Something that you know is his will and you feel it in prayer and you weep and you cry and you know God told me this and then it doesn't manifest. And then you fight a battle called disappointment. And here's the scary thing about disappointment with God. No one knows it but you. You still go to church, you still clap your hands on, you still raise your hand, you still worship, you still get with pastor, but no one knows about the disappointment. And like one preacher said, when you get to the place where you're disappointed in God, what no one knows is this is where your faith starts dying on the inside. And no one has any idea because they can't tell because you still dress the same. You still act the same. You still pray the same. But there's something in you that's disappointed in God inwardly. And you never voice it to others. And disappointment can bring anger with God, frustration with God to where like I don't pray in faith like I used to. And that kills the fasting and the consecration because why should I do it? I did this before and you didn't answer me. You, you let me down. You, you hurt me. Now we know, oh, God can't ever let us down. But the truth is when we want our will and we are convinced that our will is God's will, we can be let down. We can be let down if God does not do our will, especially if we're convinced that what we thought is our will is his will. And so when you get to that place, man, for the Holy Ghost in this room, where you get disappointed in God, it's, it's a war for your faith now. It's a battle for your faith. Is your faith going to survive when you go to church? Are you still going to be able, are you still going to be the same person? 
Are you still going to believe God for the next miracle when you just lost the last one? Are you still going to believe that God's going to do this when he did not come through there? And it's a, it can go on and on. And it's a silent battle. When you are in a season of disappointment, you are in a season of silence from God because he does not tell you why. He never tells you why he didn't do it your way because it's a battle to learn. And this is what the Lord has been telling me. When you're disappointed in me, talking about the Lord, he wants you to tell him that. Well, I would never tell God. No, listen, he wants you to have such a relationship with him that you are open with him and you tell him it's okay that this didn't work out the way I wanted it to. I was convinced this was your will. And I, it hurt me that this didn't happen. But I let it go right now. I'm letting it go, and I trust that you have a plan. You know what you're doing right there? You're killing spirits that are trying to come at your mind of doubt and unbelief, questioning God and confusion. And now you say, I don't, I don't know why, but though he slay me, Yet shall I trust him. I don't know why he did this. I don't know why you let that happen. I don't know why this has come. But I'm going to trust you in all of this right now. That you still see me. You still know where I am. You still have a plan for my life. And even though you're not talking to me and I'm disappointed, I'm going to give that disappointment back to you. Moses was disappointed in God when Pharaoh said, no, think about this. God told him, you go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. I'm with you. I've heard their cry. I'm come down to deliver them, all that stuff. And here goes Moses. Man, I've got the power. God said, let him go. And Pharaoh goes, huh, not happening. He's like, but, and he goes back to God. You told me that, that you told me to go tell him. And he openly defied it. And he has to go over and over and over and keeps getting shut down, rejected, and plagues keep coming. And He's supposed to believe he heard from God. And they had this real encounter. A burning, if you've ever encountered a burning bush, I mean, it's pretty real, you know. And, and God's telling him, I'm with you. And it's like, you say you're with me, but nothing's happening to prove that you're with me. You said do this, and then I got my head kicked in when I did it. You said go here, and you were going to work, and you were going to move, and you were going to do this. And I went there, and it's kind of like if the Lord tells you, Brother Stacy, to go to a neighborhood, and he's going to give you a harvest in that neighborhood, and you go knock all the doors, and then they all laugh at you and slam the doors in your face. And you say, what in the world? God told me to go do this, and nothing happened. Well, the harvest is there. It's just not your timing. It's his timing, and he expects us to obey before we know the results. And so Moses goes back and goes back and goes back. Ultimately, he does get them out, and God forgets to mention, oh, by the way, when you get out, they're going to chase you, and they're going to chase you to a Red Sea, and your people are going to turn on you, and you're going to have to need a miracle to get through the waters, and then once you get through the waters, the people are going to quit and backslide three days later and get mad at you. He didn't bring any of that up. He just said, I'm with you. Go. Walk in this power. And Moses is like, yeah, okay. You know why Moses fasted 40 days twice? He was like, I've got to get closer to you. I want to know. I want some clarity on this thing. I want to know. You keep telling me stuff, and then it, I just get blindsided every time. You, you give me a promise. And by the way, if you get a promise from God, don't dance and shout and rejoice. you got hell coming if you get a promise. Because the second hell puts up on a promise coming in your life, they're going to fight you like they don't fight anybody else in the church. If it's a promise from God, they're going to they're gonna zero in on you. We all shout, I've got a promise. I've got a word. You better hold on to the word because they're going to have all kind of warriors from hell show up in your house to just get you away from that word and get you out of the spirit. Because here's the only way. I'm off my notes. Here's how hell aborts a word of God in your life by pulling you out of the spirit and into the flesh. And if you get into the flesh, even though you've got a word from God, you can abort your own promise. 
call the guy a false prophet all you want to that gave you the word, call, say this, God, pastor, preach this, and God was going to do this, and God didn't do it. But I'll tell you something. If you get a word from God and then you go live like a devil and say, I'm, I can do whatever I want to, God's going to do this for me, you're not going to have that word of God come to you. You're avoiding that word of God in your own life. You've got to say, no matter what, if I've got a word, I'm staying in the spirit. I know the devil's going to come fight me. I know he's mad that this is going to happen. So I'm going to do my best to be humble. That's the, and that's big time. When you have a word from God, go pray for humility. Pray for, that God takes you to a place of humility where you don't try to stir up the demonic world because I'm telling you, they're going to come at you when they know you've got a word from God. So to, to uh, go back over this real quick, three important qualities we got to have character, compassion, commitment, three temptations you're going to face, commanding stones from your bread, casting yourself down, compromising your values, and three disappointments to deal with, people, yourself, and God. And uh, if we can work on these things, uh, we can truly become better leaders in, in where we're at, what we're doing, and grow and be, go beyond where we're at and do more for the kingdom of God. I hope this is helping someone, but I hope, I really feel in the Holy Ghost that the disappointment, that's in, in God, just help, help yourself by starting to talk to God about what you're disappointed in. Because one of the tricks of the enemy is when you're disappointed in God, because God is silent, is to make you silent. To where you're just in a waiting game with God. Well, I'm, you're going to stare down with heaven. Let's, we'll see who blinks first. God, you know, God let me down, so I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sit. We don't even think like that, but we, but we do that in our, in our life. Our actions show that. Uh, be, just go talk to God about what you're disappointed in. And if you have to do it every day, do it every day until you've released it out of your spirit. This really hurt me. This really hurt me. This really hurt me. Because if you don't, you'll become bitter. And you get bitter at God, and you get bitter at God's people. And all of a sudden, every little thing ticks you off. No matter what the motive was, it bothers you. The real, you're not mad at that person. You're mad at God for something they disappointed you in. And that disappointment in God is coming out in other people. Cain was never mad at Abel. Cain was mad at God. And because he couldn't touch God, he touched the thing that represented God in his life, Abel. He saw the favor of God on Abel, and he said, I'm going to kill Abel. That was his way. He wasn't trying to kill. He was trying to kill God. He was mad at God for rejecting his worship. And so he took it out on his brother. And if people are taking stuff out on you, it's usually a sign that they're mad at God. They're disappointed in God. So let's work on that. I hope that was, I don't know if I'm off my subject. Let's work on that. Hopefully that helps someone tonight. Good stuff. Can you hear me, bud? Mm -hmm. Just, yes, uh, if anybody has a question, get it ready. But. Uh, one, I don't know if it's a question, a comment, a remark, but I'd like you to reply how, uh, I don't know, on, on target it was on your, com your comment under commitment. And you may have made it in passing, but it was so on target, not only be committed, not just when it's convenient. There's so much of that goes on in, in, in the world, in, in the church, in business, in family, in life, personal and professional. And it's so necessary to hear that, that, that uh, we may fool each other into, into the fact that, hey, I'm committed, but it, it's really the fact that, as you said, it's just convenient for me now. I'm being seen or, or yeah. et cetera. Go ahead. Take the floor. Uh, one of the only, I mean, I, I'm an evangelist still at this point, so, uh, but I can only speak from my personal life. Like, um, 
evangelizing was really easy for me. Uh, single, it was even easy. Married, it was easy. One kid was hard. Two kids, the third baby was really difficult, uh, and it changed. It was just, it was, uh, it's difficult to get to the places. Well, I skipped all these places, and I was preaching all them, and now the boys are in school, and so. I have all these commitments to be at different states and different cities uh, on weekends and preaching, and but my boys have to be in school on Mondays, Tuesdays, and so we travel as a family together, and and I, it's something I wish a lot of evangelists did because pastors and their wives pastor together, missionaries and their wives travel together. For some reason, the people want evangelists to travel by themselves, but I know I've committed to preach at these churches, so it was it was it's it's no big deal when there's nothing. You know, but when there's nothing going on Monday, but when your kids have to be in school Monday morning and you have to drive six and a half hours home Sunday night after preaching four times, it's not really convenient. And you have to keep your commitment. And, you know, we had a, we had a weekend a few weeks ago where we had to drive 17 hours one way uh, and preach Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, six, four or five services, drive 17 hours home Monday. Um, it's not convenient. It's 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 not easy. It's not a it's not glamour. It's not they see you on the platform. They're like, oh man, I just want to have people walk up. I just want your anointing. Pray for me. And I'm like, okay, I'll pray you could drive these hours for me tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Twenty hours home. And mm-hmm. you know, we were, we were leaving that revival, and I was sick, and uh, and we had 17 hours to get home, and we had parent teacher meeting Monday night. We were trying to get home, and I I saw red and blue lights behind me, and. Uh, they were getting closer and closer. Uh-oh. And I was like, oh, no. And so I got pulled over and got a nice ticket going home and then got sick the whole way home. And I thought, this is this is just, ugh. This is, I, this is not what it used to be. This is not flying in <laughs> and preaching a conference and, and everyone saying, wow, this is amazing. This is a church in the middle of nowhere that I had to drive 17 hours to that I'd never been to that I didn't want to go to. The people were weird. It was crazy. <laughs> All kind of stuff happened. And it was like, I mean, it was just weird stuff people wanted. To do. It was just weird. weird, and I was like, "But," and I'm not bragging. Just telling you, you asked. So, yep. Commitment is if I get something out of it or I do not, I'm keeping my word. I got to keep my word, and it's difficult. I, there's times where I've had to cancel. I couldn't make it, and and, and it, it hurts. It hurts me. It hurts the pastor. But if you're teaching a class, if you're an usher, if you are what, wherever you're serving, be committed at that role. Like it's the greatest role in Come on. ever. Come on. Good. If you'll be faithful in the little. You'll be ruler over much. And so be committed where you're at, and it'll help you. It develops character. Very good. Very good. For some reason, our, our video portion has froze up on us. Okay. And so everybody stand here and stare at the sound person. I can see all of you guys. Good. Good. You still there? Yes, sir. Anybody have a question or comment? Did really good or really bad? Your brother just said he had lots of questions, but you did a good job answering them. Hey, brother. <laughs> Josh, we are, we will, we, if, if your schedule allows it, of course, we are on for the Sunday immediately preceding Christmas to do this for a Sunday morning service. But we may want to do a Monday night to work out stuff like we're dealing with right now. Oh, yeah. So maybe one more time? 
Yeah, whatever you want to do. All right, man. Love you, dude. I love you guys. All right, thanks for calling.